0: what's happening guys welcome to the JBS training group podcast my name is Mark Smith I am your host I own and operate JBS training group which is a firearms training company that travels the nation teaching guys what I know about shooting fast and accurate hope you enjoy this episode if you'd like to know more about JBS training group or where you can get in on a class you can visit www.jbstraininggroup.com enjoy
1: the show in Moscow, Idaho, and my name is Jeff Mao. Correct. Uh, and I we are Jeff Mao. Yeah. <laughs> we are Tanacor. <laughs> we are at Tanacor. Uh, and I design concealment products mm-hmm. and manufacture them and sell them. Mm-hmm. Along with a whole bunch of people that are awesome that help me do that.
0: What made um, you want to what made you
1: want to do that?
0: How'd you end up, you ain't never told me that. Like how'd you yeah. ever like
1: well, be like, you know what? I'm making whole. Like. Uh, well, the first holster I made was probably in like 2005 or 2006. Mm-hmm. So it's taken this long Did it suck? to get to this. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. yeah.
0: But what? But what was the catalyst was so, that sent you down that road?
1: So, just the first iteration was I'm a poor cop and I can't afford. Like I need and I'd like to have another holster or mag pouch or whatever, and they cost money. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can do this because supposedly there are people who do this, um, and at that time. There was no real YouTube to speak of. There certainly wasn't. How do you make holsters on YouTube? Um, I bought a video of some dude cooking a holster in a toaster oven, or cooking sheets of stuff. And it was what does like that lamest. mean? You bought a video. It means like I bought a video on DVD. Oh. Like I literally bought a video. They sell those. Yes. <laughs> this was this was when DVDs were a thing, right? Yeah. This is like pre. Uh, this is like I'm getting Netflix through the mail still. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I bought a DVD and I plugged it in and I watched some guy make some stuff and I bought some stuff and I tried to make something and it was horrible. Yeah. Um, but then over t- probably over the course of a couple of years, I. Was like, I should try that again, like a few months later. And then, uh, it didn't work. I should try that again. And finally. Was
0: was it just something you just wanted to do on the spur of the moment thing, or was there just nobody making nothing that did that? uh, Like like I said, at, at
1: at that time it was just because I was cheap. I didn't have any money. And I was like, I need some extra mag pouches. If I can make it, I want to take this person shooting instead of buying another holster, I'm gonna see if I can make a holster and I just played with it a little bit. But then there was a point where I figured out like, oh you gotta heat it this much and you gotta have this sort of definition and this kind of, oh blocking works like this, okay. You can't just put the gun in there and expect it to come out, um, like all of those things. And uh, probably around I probably spent a year, year and a half playing like every few months and then I would, well then so the holster that I primarily used were Kramer leather holsters, right? So Kramer leather is uh, pretty unique in how they, f- so they're all horsehide, right? So the horsehide is a thicker, or is a, um, not necessarily thicker, it is a denser leather. Um, and Kramer uses high, they're not like hand-boned like a lot of people, they're, they use like a high-pressure um, press to form their holsters. And so they are hard-molded, and they retain their shape better than all the cowhide and bullhide and all that kind of stuff. Um, and but they're expensive, right? You pay like 120, 150 bucks for a Kramer leather holster, and I sp- spent a bunch of money on one, and I got it, and like the trigger guard wasn't even cut right. I'm like, and then they're not gonna fix it or return it. Right? Because they're like, oh, this is leather custom holster, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay.
0: Your trigger guard sucks. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> like, you don't know. Like, sometimes they make a holster and it's like the greatest holster ever. But then sometimes they make a holster and it's horrible. Huh. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, and then my thought was, can I use... My original objective, it was to use Kydex to simulate a leather horsehide Kramer holster. That's what I was setting out to do, both in the um, durability of it, and then like the, how the gun fits in it. Cause like a leather holster just feels different than most uh, polymer holsters. Um, and I played with that, particularly like the outs, like the, essentially the arcs design was the first design that I played with. Cause I, yeah, when I shot a holster, like I used a holster like that from mm-hmm. time to time, whether it was on the range or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided, and I liked a pancake style tight to the body concealment holster, like actually an outside the waistband holster designed for concealment. And what so, was
0: the first appendix holster you ever tried? You remember?
1: Oh, uh, first appendix holster was probably around 2009. Well, no, the first one you particularly oh,
0: no. bought to wear. Like, I, I wonder about this whole appendix thing. Let me check this out.
1: Um, I did not. A friend of mine sent me hmm. a Blade Tech holster mm-hmm. that had vertical clip on it it didn't have any sort of camming or rotational feature or anything like that and he's like you should try this out and i was like okay because we don't have a written script my mind's doing the thing that it does yeah is is
0: appendix carry inherently more dangerous than strong side (laughs) carry um
1: uh it is not inherently more dangerous but it it in fact i would argue um the, if you isolate it down to the act, if you have a properly designed hip carry holster and a properly designed appendix carry holster, and you isolate it down just to the insertion and removal of the gun, mm-hmm. I would actually would argue that it's safer. In what way? Um, in that most hip carry holsters, you're still pointing the gun at your butt cheek, mm-hmm. and you almost cannot avoid that on a hip carry holster. Um, particularly- Because of the angle because, because of the Well, just because the angle and the shape of your body, like your hips are wider, Big birthing hips, we call that. Your hips are wider than your waist, mm-hmm. and so for mo- and that's not everybody, but most people, mm-hmm. they're actually likely pointing the gun at their butt cheek. And then if they carry forward of the hip, if they carry in that, you know, two thirty to three range where a lot of people carry, then hundred percent most of the time they're pointing the gun at their thigh and their foot. Right? And then also
0: when the elbow gets back here, and this leaves your vision, like
1: weird yep. things happen. Weird right things down. happen. But I, I so. If you assume a, from my perspective at least, a correct draw stroke and reholster of a gun, both appendix Uh and hip carry, Uh um, I think appendix is technically safer. That being said. Assuming um, you know how to do it the right way. The margin for error and if there is a failure, like it's a lot easier to deal with a graze of the butt, (laughs) butt cheek than it is um, Got another a, hole there. Another hole like inside the, um, you know, in the pubic the, the, area. The region. So, so that's where, <laughs> and people are concerned about that, so, if, uh, so I think if you have the right skill set and you do things correctly, it is um, actually safer. Uh, you also have the ability to see it into the holster, mm-hmm. um, but that also assumes that, that you're look. not... <laughs> that you look and you're not going to be sloppy and lazy and you have a defined skill set on how you holster and unholster your gut. Mm -hmm. So I know that's probably not a common idea or thought. Yeah, I think think the
0: concern that I had about appendix carry by default made me more careful and safer with appendix carry. Mm -hmm. Like I never gave the attention to strong side that I give to appendix. You know, back, so here's a question day. for you, Okay. why
1: do you carry appendix? I carry
0: appendix, number one, because it's more comfortable for me, I don't like this thing poking into my side all day long. Uh, number two, it's a more concealable option with more gun options mm-hmm. as far as I can hide uh, little guns and big guns. I do think that the heavier guns carry better as far as comfort is concerned over the period of the day back here, like the big 2011 steel frame Nighthawks and all that, like I want that back here. Um, but it does it allows me to, to move my body throughout the day without having to like adjust my shirt because it got hooked on the butt of the gun mm-hmm. and like weird stuff like that and then um, also the access of it uh, defensively or competitively makes more sense to me it's it's more readily accessible from any position you can put me in almost um, and I can also protect it from you better uh, when it's in front of me uh, with both my hands involved um, and um, I can make I can make tiny guns disappear
1: better. Mm-hmm. So your primary concern. I can make bigger guns. So disappear. your primary concern is not a sub one second draw. That is mm-hmm. that sounds like blasphemy. It's more like it's more like a, a sub half second, but it's I'm working mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I agree. The um my, if I were to no, rank man, those things yeah. it, concealment, um like the objective as a private citizen or undercover police officer or whatever is if I'm trying to hide the gun just, to just hide, hide the gun. Yeah. And it's way easy. I can wear normal clothes. Mm-hmm. I don't have to adjust my wardrobe in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can conceal a you know, like you said, I can make a small gun disappear. I can make a compact mid mid-sized gun pretty much disappear. Yeah, and a full size gun is hard to see.
0: I don't and want I don't want people noticing any weird stuff, you know, and, and I think that the majority of society don't doesn't notice anything anyway, but we do, you know, yep. like I, I see it all the time, Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm not really trying to draw a whole lot of weird attention to myself. That's why I wear these boots.
1: Yeah. Do are Wookiee boots? Yes. Yeah. Just so y'all know, Mark killed a Wookiee and skinned it and made himself some cowboy boots. Yep. Um, to go well with that hat. Yeah. I try to, I try to be the gray man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, the the sub-one-second draw thing is not. uh, It's a priority of mine when I'm working on my skill set, right? Like, it's a priority of mine when I'm working on my dry fire, and I'm trying to, uh, my primary focus is the speed of what I'm doing so that it makes the default program in my brain quick, uh, regardless of the influx of problems that may occur during, uh, you know, the the actual draw for score for life. like I think you should be as fast as you can be in a controlled environment so that that speed is still there and even your slowest draw is going to be faster than most because you have developed that speed but I don't prioritize that as far as like the measure of a man you know like it's it's like honestly man like if we're being honest the draw is such a small part of the course of fire like it's it's and there's not a t- if, assuming you're decent right mm-hmm. That's not where you're going to gain the majority of your time. Like now, if you're doing one-shot draws, then it matters a lot, right? If you're being scored on that, or or if you're doing the fast build drill, you're being scored on that. But if you've got you know uh, three targets that are in depth, or you got a, a mover or a swinger in two positions, or you know anything weird like that. The draw kinda of takes a back seat to the, the points and the biggest chunk of downtime in the course of fire, right? Which is typically the movement between positions and uh, manipulations of the gun. Um, but but no, I, I, I mean, I, I often wonder I wonder how many people have scars in their body that wouldn't be there if they weren't chasing things that really they shouldn't prioritize, you know, and, and that and it's weird to talk about because in I'm not, in no way am i saying you you shouldn't be fast like that ain't what i'm saying you know Mm -hmm. um but how safe can you do it is is the measure and how quickly can you do it and maintain that safety and once that falls away then i think like no matter how fast you can do it i'm not impressed dude you're pointing guns all over the place you're you're, you know you're doing dumb stuff so by default we end up with people with gunshot wounds from appendix holsters that are not they're not a a byproduct of the appendix holster man they're a byproduct like no, no right. it's, it's the human it's element killing. that did this yeah. you know and so you know like I, I called you the other day about that that leather rig i had that was you know pulling the trigger when when i put the gun in it and and so is that is that an unsafe gun is it an unsafe holster is it me is or is it the dismal tide of like all of these things combined that come together to create a problem you know and uh, so I, I do not believe that appendix carry is more dangerous than any other kind of carry. I just believe that the human element and the the lack of understanding of what the, the possibilities of what could go wrong here lead people to to do things they like. I have a guy like I know a guy that has uh, removed some of his God-given talent mm-hmm. um, while trying to holster a pistol seated in a vehicle. Uh, and just didn't pay it like he's sitting in a a parking lot just waiting on somebody or something and messing around he wanted to look at something you know do whatever and goes Mm -hmm. and stick it back in there t-shirts all in the way and he cooks one off into his into his groin man and it's like was that because appendix carry is dangerous or is that because you were being dumb and unholstering guns in the middle of a parking lot in a car you know like like maybe that's a thing
1: you know for sure so So, uh let me throw this at you about the draw hmm. from a Either domestic law enforcement or private citizen concealed carry perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I, I definitely do not argue at all that it's not important because I think it is important. Mm-hmm. It is part of a well-rounded shooter um, should have a very consistent and deliberate draw stroke that they should be able to execute under pressure subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would argue that it is a less than one percent relevant skill. Practically. I I would agree with that. So most, if you talk to people, um, like I have drawn my gun in a real world situation hundreds and hundreds of times, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I have never drawn my gun in a real world situation to immediately fire it, right? If you think you need a gun, like as a police officer or even as a private citizen, you're going to draw your gun to the ready. Mm -hmm. And that is the vast majority, like if you think you need a gun, you get a gun in your hand. the idea that something's gonna happen, and you need to quickly draw your gun and engage that target, um, and I'm not gonna say that it, like there are incidents we can find on video, but or I saw this occur, video one time, right? Yeah. Um, but that is most. That is a less than one percent event. Mm-hmm. Um, the more likely situation that you are in the middle of a fight and you need to draw your gun from the holster and shoot somebody would be in a contact. How the more accurate. Well, it would be in a contact distance? Mm-hmm. Um, confrontation. And in that situation, speed is not actually important. What is important is position, is gaining a position of advantage and then deliberately and consistently drawing your gun to the correct location. Um, and knowing how not to shoot yourself and not get your yes. gun taken away And so from the idea <laughs> of a fast draw, a, a robust draw, mm-hmm. is vastly more important than a fast draw. Mm-hmm. Um, For anybody who, a police officer, private citizen that is concerned about any of those things. Um, And I, again, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't push the speed. I definitely practice. I'm not, certainly not the fastest person in the world. Gun in the West. Um, (laughs) uh, But I do practice it because it is a way to pressure test your skill set, right? Uh You can add the speed component, it pressure tests your skill set. Do you have a, like it determines whether your skill set is robust or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that is much more important um, but for whatever reason well I guess the reason is it doesn't sell classes it's, it's and so sexy, that's man. why people don't emphasize that aspect of things.
0: Well I, I think a lot of times too people are just they, I think that what you just said is a very mature understanding of, of, of using a pistol right and I think that you probably always didn't think that way right, Correct. right. Uh, you, you saw somebody do something super crazy fast and you were like dang I'm, I'm trying to do that you know like that that seems like I would want to be able to do that you know because um, like what is what is detrimental about being as fast as possible the answer is nothing but there's more context to that that people just mm-hmm. don't that, that, and, and man I can't I can't uh, I can't make you believe it or make you understand it I can just just wait on you you know I'm waiting waiting on you to to get to that level of maturity that you know where, where you understand it ain't it ain't the one thing man it, it's never and that's like that's I've been trying to preach that nationwide for the past year man it, it ain't it, I'm not impressed with this one thing like show me show me put all this together man and let's see what that does um and I, I think that people get wrapped around the axle about trying to police people on the internet, you know. Dave Ramsey says uh, people are broke today because they are spending money they don't have on crap they don't need to impress people they don't even know. <laughs> so one second draw. Yeah, yeah, and that's the same oh, yeah. exact thing, yeah. like n- nobody, nobody truly on the internet cares as much as you do. Mm-hmm. You just, you you manifest that you, you think they care that much and you mm-hmm. think that like, and did you know that if you can do a sub-one-second draw, you are not the first man ever to accomplish this? You are now among multiple men that can accomplish this, and so nobody remembers you for that. Like, so what? You know, um, and, you know, I it's, it's very strange how people will prioritize things that, and not think about them based on what social norms will push to their forefront of their mind as being, you know, you're now... You're never morally, or not morally, uh, socially superior
1: if you can do this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it, it's very strange. I mean, it's, part of that is shooting and taking classes is kind of like some people's golf, mm-hmm. right, where it's like, it is, there is a practical component to it, but it is mostly a recreation thing, right, so in the context of going and recreating in that activity, there's, you know, there's little milestones that people are trying to, mm-hmm. to get. Mm-hmm. get to, right, it speaks to, like coins and patches and qualifications and like all of those tests and whatnot, I mean, they're part of that, it's like, you know, if you go, did you go play at that fancy course and did you shoot a certain score, mm-hmm. that's the same kind of thing, did you go to that fancy shooting course and did you shoot a certain score, mm-hmm. and people are in pursuit of that, rather than, and, and I'm not at all saying there's something wrong with that, mm-hmm. right, that is, like, we live in America and people have the right to do whatever they want, um, and it's cool and too the, right? it like it is, cool. it's cool to go it's accomplish that right? yes. like that's and 100% like, I have been the person like I've spent a lot of money on. like I've spent a lot of money on training I started taking classes long before it was a cool thing to do mm-hmm. um, because I thought it was a cool thing to do mm-hmm. and I traveled the country and trained at the time um, trained with all the cool people you know, I'm, I'm the guy that flew out from Seattle to West Virginia mm-hmm. to take a Pat Rogers class at at the Shoehouse House place, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh man, 108 forums, that's that looks bitch. so awesome, yeah. right?" And that's got to be the coolest thing in the world. Um, and it was good, but it wasn't what it wasn't what the internet made it to be. Right. Right. Um, Dang it! This is just the man. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it's yeah. the whole "don't meet your heroes" thing. You yeah. Know? But there is a part of that that is divorced from the practical application of this, right? And I think it's important at least to acknowledge that, like at least acknowledging that if you're gonna go pursue it purely or primarily as recreation, then that's perfectly fine. Um, but don't fool yourself into thinking that the pursuit of that recreation is as practical as it could be if you focused on other things. So I think a competitive shooters, right? They clearly are focused on performance and results. And so they get that. Um, Ideally, most police officers, um, but being a former police officer myself, I know that's actually not the case, but ideally they would again be in pursuit of performance performance from a professional perspective. A different type of performance than a uh, competitive shooter, but in pursuit of performance. Mm -hmm. Um, And then certainly the private citizen can be as well. Why does Tentacore make the best holsters in the land, or
0: do you think that you do? what is it about your product that stands apart or is it just, man, I just wanted to do a thing the best I could do and if you like it, you like it. If, if not, there's plenty of people that make good
1: holsters. So if it is our, it is our endeavor to make the highest performing concealment products that exist, period. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. Um, ultimately though, I don't get to decide that, right? Sure. And so the market decides that and so if the market, like if we sell a bunch, I guess it's how much do we sell, and who do we sell it to, is the question.
0: That last part's
1: interesting. A lot of um, people don't care about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we actually care about that a lot. Yeah. So we care a lot about who we sell it to, um, and who, you know, when people are going to do things in other places. Like, And that is one of the things that we think about, is like, this should work, because if it doesn't work from a consumer perspective, like someone, some American, is going to be somewhere overseas, and if our, ju- our product is not concealing things correctly, they're going to get rolled up and tossed in foreign prison, right? And if our gun is not able to consistently hold the gun and survive a violent confrontation um, from a retention perspective or pre- from presenting the gun when it needs to be presented, uh, then again, right, you're going to have, you have somebody who's actually doing something for real mm-hmm. that is not able to execute those tasks. Um, and that that is our perspective and we have a lot of it is like I you know I started training and teaching around 2004 2005 and I've been developing certain relationships with people for that entire time and so we have we have really interesting and cool connections with different folks around Um, we're able to get product to certain people that maybe other companies aren't able to Um, and those people seem to appreciate how our product works and so, they'll buy it, and they use it, and, you know, we, yeah, it's pretty cool. Talk talked about retention.
0: I saw a concealment holster on the internet that had an active thumb retention
1: device. Is mm-hmm. that needed? Uh, I think for a concealment holster, it is not needed. So, if you have it covered with a garment, mm-hmm. then uh, that that garment covering it is the hiding it from level, view huh. it's your first level it's hiding it from view it's making it more difficult to access it's adding all of those things so I think particularly for it inside the waistband right for an outside the waistband you could argue you might be better off with a piece of a little bit of retention if you're actually carrying this for serious work mm-hmm. um, even if it's concealed on outside the waistband but I think certainly inside the waistband hip carry or appendix perfectly fine with not I think as soon as you uncover that holster yeah. and remove that layer, then you are just frankly I think you're negligent. You if can't you don't keep have, eyes on it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You're negligent if you don't have some sort of active retention on the holster. How does
0: a fellow know when he has the appropriate level of retention on his concealed carry holster? What is the measure of that? I've never seen anybody talk about or write about or put anything out about this is how you know, like, this is, this is a starting point of where you probably should be at, because I see a lot of guys in class, man, that will, they'll have their holsters where, like, the gun will will sit in it, but it is yeah, not, not being retained. Yeah, right? that's a good question. And, and so, like, how do I, know, I'm going to tighten this thing up, but how much, and then, and then how much is too much, and so on and so forth.
1: Yep. Um, so, speaking back to one of the earlier questions, so, the asking about why we made the holsters the way we did. And one of the things I talked about was the difference of a uh, horsehide holster and how it's like full friction, right, and you don't have like that click. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a thing that we get lots of times from customers is like, you know, I don't like this holster because it doesn't have a click or, you know, I'm used to, but just frankly, my opinion would be that most holsters, particularly polymer holsters, Kydex holsters, whatever, people don't understand how a holster should be made and so the molding is really loose. You put the gun in and it all jiggles around, And but they put this very definitive, Snap. tight, snappy part. Um, and most of the customer base has been trained that that is how it should be. Where in fact, that's wrong. And, and I'll be bold enough to say that that is just wrong, sloppy, lazy, not understanding how a holster should be. And I'm not saying every holster out there is like this. Um, but they fundamentally don't understand because they don't understand performance. They don't understand. They don't understand the other aspects of things. they most holsters are mostly designed by people who, um, who are not shooters who have not carried a gun for a living, or if they have, they haven't thought about um, the the complexity of the violent confrontation and the complexity of performance to the level needed to design effective equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's most people, but not everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so our objective with the Tentacore holster was, can we mold it in a certain way that it essentially feels like a leather holster? And there are, um, I know how a Tentacore holster feels. Um, and there's two other people in this world that have been like, huh, there's something about this, this that's different. Um, one of those people is Craig Douglas. Like he picked up on it right away. He's like, I don't know what you did to this thing, but I feel like I'm drawing from a $200, um, from a $200 custom leather holster. And it doesn't make sense to me. And you are the other person who was like, I don't know what is going on here, but it feels different. It's like you put it in there and it just grabs the thing and holds onto it. And then- The when tension you, increases
0: on the way in almost, or, or like it's, it's yep. almost like it's like a V and you're like shoving it down into that and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And tighter but then,
1: but then when but you But then pull it's out, like when
0: you get to the bottom, it, those those that those V walls go parallel and it just lets you come out with it.
1: Yeah. Um, it's very yep. very strange. So there are things that we do with the molding and the design that is different than people other people um, to get that feel. Um, when it you know, a common thing is why like Why is that
0: why does that feel important? why, why do I care?
1: <sighs> um
0: like that's very interesting. That's yep. very that's very unique. So but, but so, so one what? of the things
1: that I found with the molding of most I didn't like polymer holsters, um, and this was mostly a hip carry thing. It's probably less of an issue for appendix carry. But you could essentially like with rotation, like sitting in a seat, you could cam your holster in, hmm. and you couldn't get it out. You get stuck in there. Huh? Um, and that was a and you know maybe that is a. A 2000-2005 yeah. kind of thing, but as I was developing the product, I was like, I am not going to do a product like that. Um, and so the idea that you're going to have full friction grabbing of the gun in the holster, um, and it, like you just, I just want to create a smooth in and out. I want draw to feel like a
0: person is holding this thing. Yes, and, and then and something organic. yeah.
1: Right? You want like I want to like the security of the organic holding of it. Also, if you have, like, if you do have weapon retention stuff and you have weird camming that is going on there, that is putting more pressure on parts of the holster and make it more likely to break versus if it is all this kind of one package. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it is also, and maybe part of it is just that's my background. And, like, this is how I view a high performance Mm -hmm. product. Um, and I do feel like we have been able to take the best of leather and take the best of polymer and combine them together and make a holster that feels going secure, you know, the security and confidence going in mm-hmm. and then the speed and consistency coming out, mm-hmm. like that, that is a level of performance that I think is unique to mm-hmm. Tentacore products. Um, it is less the case, you know, as soon as you add a light that causes all kinds of weirdness. Um, and you always compromising the form and the retention of the holster with the light, mm-hmm. um, depending on how people do it. Um, but certainly with our, we have been able with our non light bearing holsters to kind of maintain that regardless of the gun. And, and every gun is a little different too, right? The features on the gun and all that. Like if I was design, I would put intentional retention features on guns and I would design them in such a way, like on a slide and stuff like that. Um, and that would be a really interesting thing if you could get the entire firearm industry to like do a specific slide cut mm. in order to enable retention. I think that would be a very interesting thing. It is not realistic and it's not gonna happen, um, but that would be really interesting. So, so how do I know when my retention's right? Uh, so some people do the upside down shake test thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a, uh, some people want to say, oh, that's stupid uh, and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's stupid. I don't think it's the only thing though. Um, Because as soon as you, particularly for an inside the waistband holster, as soon as you put it in your pants and you put a belt around it, you you tighten your belt, you compress it, you change all of that. Um, I I don't have a specific measure for it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good question. I should maybe think about that more. I mean, I want it to be, um, you know, positive going in. Mm -hmm. And when it's in, it's not going to fall out. It shouldn't just be set. It's not just placed on top of... The features of the holster. The holster should be coming around and grabbing it and holding it securely mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. retaining it. Um, but I definitely should not. Um, I should be able to draw my gun without having without having to go. I should like Shouldn't if you have to, snatch, you have it, to yeah. snatch it or jerk it in order to defeat your compressed retention like that. I also would say it was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some holsters, you might not. That might not. You might not be able to do that because they haven't formed it close enough and tight enough to the gun, and they do have that snappiness on there. And I would, I would not use a holster like that. Um, and so our holsters, there is definitely this point, right? right but let, let's go. Yeah. Um But it is under, like if you do it really, really slowly, you notice it more. But if you do it at any, you don't even have to do it fast. If you do it at any normal speed, it's almost like it's not there.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, and so, uh, so I, I don't know if I've told this story before uh, publicly, but I'm gonna say about uh, about six years ago, maybe seven. Uh, I was at a uh, indoor trampoline park, okay, and uh, I lost a pistol in the middle of a trampoline park. It came out. Yeah. And was now a loaded gun bouncing amongst children in public, and it was like, it was bad. It was all, like I dove on that thing like a marine on a grenade. You know what I mean? Like yeah. oh my god! And uh, and now like from my belly, <laughs> I've got to sneak this thing back in. You know, and everybody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just resting. You know, um, and so that was uh, that was an old uh, old holster that I had. Uh, I don't even remember whose it was. Um, but that was back at a level of maturity and shooting that I was not at now, where I prioritized how fast I could get the gun out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And um, fast forward, uh, about three years ago uh, was when I started messing with, with core stuff. And uh, and became a little more mature about what I was trying to do, you know, and things like that. And, uh, and we are waiting for you, we just need you to grow up. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I told my wife, uh, I was like, I I need to go back to Big Air, you know. <laughs> and, and she, and she was like, "What? What are you talking about?" I was like, "I got I got I to test something." Yeah, you know. And uh, and it sounds real stupid, and it is it is funny, um, but like it was it was genuinely anxiety inducing to go back to a trampoline park with a gun on. Like I, I yeah. was I was I was I was like, "All right, I'm doing it," you know. And uh, and I took a it was a clock nineteen. And I jumped on a trampoline park for for an hour and a half with my kids, and uh, and it and it and I was like, okay, well, this is, I don't know if this is good, but it's definitely better. is the trampoline yeah, the, test. Yeah, right. This is better. <laughs> um, and then uh, we went on some, uh, we did some dirt bike riding. One time, I had a pretty gnarly wreck on a, on a dirt bike one time, and it held it held through that. I lost my uh, my my keys came out of my pocket, um, and my flashlight came out of my pocket, uh, but my uh, my gun was still there, wallet was still there. Uh, and so there's that uh, and then also you know pressure testing against other human adversaries in force on force environments um, it, 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 it has passed the test on that. Let's talk about the retention as far as the retention of the holster to the pants okay um, like how do you attach it to your well body? so how do I know what I need right so like tell me about uh, tell me about FOMI clips so,
1: I would view... Tell so, me what a, a FAMI clip is, because I might not know. There is, so that is a specific brand of, or it's not just a style, a, so, so yep. basically it's a plastic injection molded clip that is top mounted, um, and has like a claw on it, mm-hmm. um, and there's angles and stuff, and the, it, it is basically, so either that, the idea either is that, that clip, your belt. or, yeah, it grabs you, by that clip, or various versions like it, some perform better than others. Is what most people use, and they cost you know, if you go have your own tooling made for something like that, you can probably get one for 30 cents, 25 cents from China. Mm-hmm. You can buy them in bulk from holster suppliers in the 70 to 90 cent range, depending on like your quantity, right? So, right. they are a very inexpensive attachment to put on there onto your holster. So, more so, I, again, I think about everything in systems, mm-hmm. and so. Um, the attachment method of putting this on your body is not disconnected from all of the other things. So it is the holster, but then it is the attachments, it is your belt, and it is your pants, and all of those things, and it is also your shape and the size of your body. Mm -hmm. All of those things are factors with how the gun carries, how it conceals, um, and how it is gonna perform under retention. So um, probably the biggest distinction would be a top-mounted attachment versus a bottom-mounted attachment. So a top-mounted attachment, um, so generally in a weapon retention situation.
0: Does it, does top-mounted top, top mounted meaning top of the holster or yeah, top of the clip? top of the
1: holster, okay. top of the holster. And also top of the clip, right? Okay. <laughs> so a top-mounted thing would be like a foamy or foamy or whatever clip, or like soft loops or snap loops. Mm-hmm. Those things are all gonna be top-mounted. And traditionally, like if you think back to like Blade Tech and all that, mm-hmm. most holster attachments, Traditionally, like in the ni- late '90s, early 2000s, we're going to be top-mounted holster attachments. Right. A bottom-mounted one is going to have some sort of strut that goes down the back, and the screw point of attaching the clip to uh, to the holster is below the belt line, right? So basically, above the belt line attachment point versus below the belt line attachment point. Um, from a, from a weapon retention perspective, you know, obviously there is keeping the gun in the holster. That is something to consider, and you might use certain techniques uh, to, if someone is trying to get the gun out of your holster, whether whether, your hand, whether they have the gun and you put your, your hand or your forearm or something on top to keep it in the holster. Like, that is one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is going to be, um, does the gun, or does the holster... Stay where it's supposed to stay on your body, right? And generally, that is going to c- come off through rotational force on the belt line. Like typically, um, like people can pull down and away, but if it's inside the waistband holster, you have a leverage point below the belt line that keeps that from being, um, from transferring force fr- from from um, the person pulling to the attachments. If you're just pulling out and away, because you have this thing against your body that keeps mm-hmm. you from doing that. If you have rotational force like this, that can, that is the thing that usually compromises most attachments is this rotational force. Um, and if you think about, it, if you have a top mounted thing, as I, That's your um, fulcrum. Yep, this, as I rotate this, the force is more directly transferred to these attachment screw points, mm-hmm. versus if I have a bottom mounted attachment, and then I have some sort of leg or strut that is basically going from here to there. As this thing rotates, that leg or strut it's in the holding, back yeah. is holding it, but any flex or ductility in that material in the back, will um, it reduces the amount of pressure on the attachments. So mm-hmm. what we have found is I can put slots here, mm-hmm. like with if I'm using a DCC clip, which I believe is the highest performing holster attachment on the market, if I use a DCC clip, I can put all kinds of slots and various. Like, if I put a slot in here instead of a, a hole, it compromises the ability to retain the attachment to the holster, right? So, if I put a slot down here, it works fine. If I put a slot up here and I put it on like some sort of top-mounted clip, like a foamy or whatever, that does not work very well. Mm-hmm. The 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 whole thing will open up. Like, you're just transferring a ton of force to this air to the top area of the holster and the. Um, the screw attachment will like pull through, mm-hmm. right? And so that is a consideration when it comes to um, to retention. And so with specifically, so uh, I am personally not a fan of any top mounted attachment. I mm-hmm. think all attachments should be low for a super high performing holster, right? You can get like the DCC monoblock is a decent alternative. Um, the flexibility of that absorbs some of that force versus the plastic and performs better, um, but I, you know, I, I, I say it like this, the a monoblock is probably 10 times better than something like a foamy plastic clip, mm-hmm. but a DCC HLR clip is 100 times better than a monoblock, right, because it will get people who ask, hey, can we put a monoblock, and it's like, you can't, well, no you can't, and you don't want to, mm-hmm. because those other attachments are not worth your life, mm-hmm. essentially, and so, um, the other issue, so that is that is just like how, where, and how it is attached to the holster. The other issue with those is um, the distance that it is above, the distance that the attachment is relative to the holster, right? And so, what one of the things that you the
0: offset, the, you mean? like you, how far off the, the holster um, is? Yeah, sits? how
1: like if I have a clip here, mm-hmm. is this clip just hanging out here in space? or is it pressing against it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think about it like clamping but force. Does stay under load, yeah. Exactly. Is there load on the clip, mm-hmm. right? And most holsters that people are making with some sort of top-mounted clip, the clip is not under load, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, and frankly, that's just because for whatever reason holster makers believe they need to use washers and bushings and spacers and all of this stuff that actually just increases the overall girth of everything and makes it harder to conceal but it also um, kind of destroys the clip's ability to clamp and hold on to things like there's all you don't have to apply tension to install it therefore there's no tension when it's installed yeah. and, and it comes yeah. off super easy right so you're going to have um, you can make one of those clips perform better if you have the placement and the geometry correct, um, and maybe not even what the what the designers of the clips intended, but you can make it work decently well. Most holster companies do not do that, um, and that's why you see with very like any sort of um, training exercise or scenario that involves combatives. Oftentimes, you see those those clips just pop right, and it pops out above the belt, and they just come off. And you know, you it is the draw your gun and you got a holster attached kind of thing or it's just the whole thing falls out and you got a holster and a gun laying on the ground I mean that is super common um, and I just frankly I those types of holsters are I think about them the same way I think about a competition holster It mm-hmm. is that is a nice training holster maybe for the range and mm-hmm. that is it they are not it is not something that you should use in real life mm-hmm. that you should expect would work in real life and from a I don't see any value of those types of holsters because I wouldn't train that way. I mean, I suppose you could have a your real life holster and then your lame training holster, but I don't see the value in that. And so just have a good holster that does the work. Um, most of those holsters, you probably can just buy DCC clips, mm-hmm. either the HLR clip or the monoblock, change it out. Don't put any washers or spacers so it's as close to the holster as possible. Mm-hmm. And you can take a $20, 30 $40 holster and, ver- and for $5 turn it into something that is, um, no long- that is reasonable to use to carry life safety equipment. Like it is not that difficult to fix it. Um, but most companies are not producing something that out of the box is that way. And usually, like even if they're selling like something with monoblock, you probably what you need to do is get different hardware and remove whatever spacers and bushings they have in there and to get that, to get yep flush mounted to get that sit closer, to put tension on it, to get it under load mm-hmm. um, so that it holds better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think about this. That's super nerd. Who would have
0: stuff. thought so much goes into making a holster. I thought it just had to be comfortable. Crazy, crazy, crazy. How do you prioritize um, a holsters attributes what's 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 the what's the number one thing what's next what's next what's next like what do i like i, I care about this but until this occurs i don't care about it
1: yep you know, um, um like i think that. about robustness is my first priority mm-hmm. um it can't break uh it can't while doing its job mm-hmm. it can't stop doing its job mm-hmm. right like it's supposed to do a thing um and that yeah I think that is the most important thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's because I've seen in, like I've never been in a real life handgun retention, someone trying to kill me and steal my gun. Um, I've been in lots of training like that. Um, The company that I used to work for, Insights Training Center, we did that sort of, like there were two people in the country, like Insights started doing that in the um, mid 90s. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't start working for them at that point. Um, Insights was doing it before Craig Douglas did it. Craig Douglas has taken it to, I think, a different level, Um, and Craig and I are good friends, and he's fantastic, but there are, um, there's not many people who do, who put so much emphasis on that, and that is, like, some of my, just how I think about violent confrontations and training is very much um, in line with that way. The gun Um, must
0: stay where it's supposed to stay. Uh, And we would have
1: stuff break all the time, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why we used Kramer leather horse-eyed holsters, and that's it, because they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they had all those other problems. So the gun has to keep doing what it's supposed to do under the pressure of a violent lethal lethal force confrontation that includes rolling around on the ground and hitting each other and people trying to steal your gun and all of those things. And a grown man literally
0: attempting to rip it from your pants. Yeah.
1: Um, And most holsters like self-destruct, like the hardware they use, the backer here, like a common thing is you like put a gun in there and twist it and a lot of this stuff will just pop. Hmm. Um, And there's all kinds of interesting things you can do to destroy holsters. I mean that's one of the things that we do around here is we destroy things. And it's like what, like you have to know the breaking limit, because if you don't know the breaking limit, then you don't know how well it's gonna perform. Mm -hmm. Like I remember talking to a guy who was trying to start a holster company um, and I was like looking and I was like, man, that ain't gonna work. And I was like, have, we, have you tested that? And he's like, no, I was like, do you wanna test it? But, like, Let's break your holster no, right no. now. And he's like, <laughs> like that just freaked him out. And the idea that he spent however much time making this thing yeah. and then we're gonna destroy it. And it's like, well, of course you're gonna do that. Um, so it needs to keep doing its job under reasonable pressure of the event. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that I would say would be concealment. Okay. Right? Because if you If you don't, I think about it from a concealment perspective that you're trying to hide the gun. So my second priority would be how well does it conceal? Mm -hmm. And then third would be probably comfort. Is how, like sticking a one or two pound piece of metal in your pants is never truly gonna be comfortable. It's gonna be something that you get used to over time. Um, But some things can be more comfortable than other things. So robustness, concealment, and then comfort is how I think I would prioritize things.
0: How come Corps, don't make a holster for my gun?
1: Not not enough of the kind of people that care about robustness, concealment and comfort would buy a product for your gun. Mm. That is why. And so we are we are going after what, what I would term as the professional user and I don't necessarily mean the person that gets paid because there's lots of people that get paid to carry a gun that are not professional in how they think about it. And there's a whole lot of people who are great Americans that are professionally minded in how they go about carrying a gun. Um, And so those professionally minded people, whether they're paid or not, are the people that we are trying to go after as our primary customer base. And they use
0: a a common denominator set of of weapons?
1: Those people generally use a small selection of weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of them are shooting Glocks, mm-hmm. and so that is mostly what we sell. Like even the like the Sig and the twenty eleven and all of that stuff makes up a very small percentage. Um, but they, so, they exist. But they exist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. some things like you th- like I know Smith and Wesson sells a ton of M and P's. We sell almost no M and P holsters. Mm-hmm. I, I have no problem with making M&P holsters. I think the MP is a perfectly fine gun. It shoots well. I mean, particularly the 2.0, right? It's a great gun. Happy to make something for it, but there's not really any demand on our customer base, and so we don't.
0: I wonder why that is. I wonder why that one hadn't taken taken hold.
1: Well, even, I mean, that, the CZ, P10C, I mean, there's some of those things we may add at some point. I think I think a lot of it is, like, the,
0: the reason I don't buy one of those or have one of those or a P10 or or a number of you know good guns is because they they aren't going to do anything for me if I do buy them like they won't do anything that I can't already do with something else like a Glock or a SIG or you know whatever So, like, it's it's not that it's a bad gun, it's just that I already invested. Like, I've been doing this long enough to have the things I have before those came to fruition, and I don't feel the need to go purchase one to gain anything because I don't believe it's going to give me anything. So, therefore, I just maintain what I already have. Um, I think that that's probably a a big part of it, too. Like, I was just sitting there thinking, why don't I have an MP? And the answer is because I don't want one, I don't have a need to do Mm -hmm. that. you know, I guess if, if money were no option and I was into collecting or something like that, maybe I'd just go buy one, but I, I, I'm not going to shoot it because I already have, I'm, I'm vested in all the other things for the ones I have. So, whatever. Um, super cool, man. Well, what else you got? You were out here for training? I was. Thank you for coming out. You were. That's a good class. Thanks for having me. Super cool. Well, that's that. Okay. Appreciate the heck out of you. Talk later. Right on. All right, guys, that's the show for the day. As always, if you'd like to know more, you can visit us at www.jbstraininggroup.com. If you'd like to get in on a class, you can check the roster and the schedule, which is always changing. If you'd like to host a class, you can hit me up at jbstraininggroup at gmail.com. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. Make sure you talk to Jesus today, and we'll see you on the range.